added to all these misfortunes was another, the incessant piracy of his works by all and sundry. For at that period there was no copyright protection, either for music or for literature. His one-time publisher, Walsh, was busy pillaging his songs and getting rich on the profits. His most popular operas were being performed everywhere without so much even as a request for permission or a letter of thanks. No wonder then that his health broke down and his mind came close to the verge of giving way. But he kept on fighting, not only for his own sake, but for all foreign musicians everywhere. Though frequently in need of charity himself, he organized and conducted several concerts for other needy composers, and he refused to take a penny out of the proceeds of these concerts. At the time of his poverty, he was offered the honorary degree of Doctor of Music at Oxford, but the honor cost him $500, and so Handel refused it. Why the devil I throw my money away for what the blockheads give me, he said in his broken English. I no want such honors. Meanwhile, his health and his fortunes had reached the lowest end. His right side had become paralyzed, and his money was all gone.
betwixt Tweedledum and Tweedledee. In such an atmosphere, it was inevitable that both of the rival enterprises should go into bankruptcy. But the most important factor in Handel's financial failure was the jealousy that his genius aroused in hearts less gifted than his own. There sprang up in London a veritable conspiracy to disenfranchise him for what his detractors regarded as his undeserved power and fortune. A hailstorm of abusive articles and pamphlets began to fall about his ears. They attacked his operas because he wrote them as they alleged to flatter his own ears, even though they shocked the ears of the audience. They vilified his oratorio because they were nice, official, foul, strange and undigestible conscience. On the nights on which he produced his operas, they deliberately arranged all sorts of distractions, such as assemblies, card games, fights, batteries of female diversions and the like, to keep the public away from his theatre. And these joint endeavours, all banks and sexes, they glinted in one of their articles, succeeded well. His audiences grew very thin and Handel fell into a deep melancholy. He even accused him of immorality with his actresses and of profanity because he allowed words from the Bible to be sung in his old days. Others aver that he to handle is scarcely fit to hold a candle. Strange all this difference should be twixt Tweedledum and Tweedledee. In such an atmosphere it was inevitable that both of the rival enterprises should go into bankruptcy. But the most important factor in Handel's financial failure was the jealousy that his genius aroused in hearts less gifted than his own. There sprang up in London a veritable conspiracy to disenthrone him from what his detractors regarded as his undeserved power and fortune. A hailstorm of abusive articles and pamphlets began to fall about his ears. They attacked his operas because he wrote them as they alleged to flatter his own ears, even though they shocked the ears of the audience. They vilified his oratorios because they were neither fish nor fowl, but a strange and undigestible concoction. On the nights on which he produced his operas, they deliberately arranged all sorts of distractions, such as assemblies, card games, cockfights, batteries of female diversions and the like, to keep the public away from his theatre. And these joint endeavours of all ranks and sexes, they gloated in one of their articles, succeeded well. His audiences grew very thin and Handel fell into a deep melancholy. They even accused him of immorality with his actresses